Today I want to talk about, though, we're talking about mind monsters, right? We talked about depression and anxiety. And today I want to talk about guilt and shame. And so that's a big thing. People deal with this, and so I want to unpack that. And so today's message is about sin, guilt, and shame. Lots of fun. And so uh, I actually am excited about this because I think a lot of people really struggle with feeling guilty about stuff they've done, where they've been, and so maybe who they've been with, those kinds of things. And so we're going to unpack that today because I think a lot of us don't understand what the Bible actually teaches on this. And so I'm fired up about today's message, and I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. I really do. Today's message is called Shame on You. Because shame is something that we oftentimes carry. We, we, we carry a guilt. We also carry a shame for, for our past. Maybe you're recently coming out of some wrong decisions. Maybe, or maybe it was years ago, and you say, Pastor, I, just, I still beat myself up over things I, I did. And so that's not uncommon. So I want to talk about that today. Very excited about today's message. So I'm going to dive right in. You guys ready? You guys ready to go? All right, let's do it. And so the first thing that we deal with is sin. And so I just want to unpack what sin looks like. I don't need to really define sin. You're, you're probably like me. You're like, no, I don't need a definition on sin. I'm pretty good at that already, right? Like, I think we got that one down. And so, but rather I wanted to mention about how the devil works, because I think we forget this, that the devil is called the tempter. He's also called the accuser of the brethren, the, the brethren or the brothers and sisters. He accuses us. So, so he tempts us with sin, and then he accuses us of sin at the same time. In fact, uh, this is what that looks like. First Thessalonians 3 says, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you. So the tempter, the devil is constantly tempting us with, with, with sin. And so this is what that sounds like to, to you and I. The, the devil will come along and, and tempt you by telling you, oh, it's no big deal. Everyone's doing it. Go ahead. It'll be fun. You'll know you'll want to. You know you'll love it. Come on. And so that's how the devil tempts you. Then once you do the sin, this is what's so so crazy and irrational and wrong about the devil. First, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. Then you partake in that sin, and as soon as you do it, he says, I can't believe you did that. You're so horrible. And you're like, wait a minute, aren't you the same guy who just told me that it's no big deal, and now you're telling me it's the biggest deal ever and I can never be forgiven? Isn't it funny how the devil works like that? Anyone else notice that? If I had a friend like that, I would never hang out with someone like that. But I'm hanging out with you. You told me it's no big deal, now you make me feel bad for doing it, right? But that's what the devil does to us all the time. And so he, he tempts us and he accuses us right after we do something foolish, something sinful. The devil's actually called the accuser of brothers and sisters in Revelation 12, verse 10. So, so he first tempts us, then once we fall into sin, he accuses us, right? So you go from sin to and then guilt, right? And so look at the scripture on guilt. It says in Psalms 32, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Oh, you ever felt like that? You're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. You just feel so bad. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. So guess what sin does? Sin weighs us down, doesn't it? You ever just felt so bad for something you did and you're just like, oh man, how can I, I'm just, you know, you think, how can God even love me? How can I, how can I continue on? I just feel so bad for what I said or what I did, right? And so luckily today is not sin day. We're not going to put your sins or my sins up on the screen because we'd all have to leave town, right? All of us, right? And so all of us have done things that we're ashamed of, that we're embarrassed of, that we would never want anyone else to know about. We all have sin. And so sin weighs you down. It just makes you feel so bad. It just makes you feel what? It makes you feel guilty. 
And so we, we've all had that guilty conscience before for something we've done, someplace we've been, or something, uh, or someone we've been with. And, and so that, that oftentimes weighs us down. But I need to tell you something that may surprise you about sin. Sin is, uh, not, I'm sorry, not about sin, about guilt. I want to tell you something that may surprise you about guilt. Guilt is good. And I know we don't see it that way. We're like, what? No, no, no. Guilt is not good. I feel so bad. But let me just ask the ladies in the room real quick at all of our campuses. Ladies, if your man, if your, your husband or your boyfriend, if he, when you're not around, is flirty with another woman, should he feel guilty for that? Yes. You're like, mm-hmm. I heard that. I like that. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Men, if your wife or girlfriend is being flirty when you're not around with some guy, should she feel guilty for that? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I like that. That was from a Marine, by the way. I just noticed that. that was, yes. And I have artillery with me right now. So it's true, right? I mean, so guilt is not bad. Guilt actually leads us to recognize when we're doing something wrong. So ignoring guilt in your life is like ignoring the red light on your dashboard. You can do it for a while, but you're going to end up wrecking the car. You're going to end up pulling over, and it's going to end your trip. And so you can ignore it, but it's to your own peril. So believe it or not, God gave us guilt to do what? To cause us to say, I don't want to do that again. I feel bad. If you treat someone that you love poorly, you should feel guilty for that. Right? That, that, that leads you to do what? To treat them better, right? If you say, oh, I feel so guilty. I come to church and I never give and I never serve. And I, just, I just come and just basically soak it all in and then leave and not feel guilty. That's not necessarily bad that you, there's something inside you saying, I should do more. So that's, that's a good thing. If you, if you always drive by the beggar and you never roll down your window, maybe it's good that you feel a little guilt there to say, you know, not everyone's stealing. Maybe I actually could help someone out a little bit. You know, and I mean, we may have differing opinions, and that's okay. The point is, is that if you're never generous, maybe it's good that you have something inside you going, hey, come on, you know? So guilt can be a good thing. It can serve a, a good purpose, believe it or not. If, I, if I'm short or rude to my wife, I, I, I hope I have guilt for that because that means I'm not a psychopath, right? <laughs> and so I should think, well, I don't want to treat her that way. She, does, she doesn't deserve that. So guilt can serve in a good way. And so what does guilt lead to? Guilt leads to us going to someone, sometimes God, sometimes others, and saying, I'm sorry. I think the three most powerful words in the English language are not, I love you, because you can say, I love you. In fact, many of us tonight are going to say, I love you to a Kit Kat bar, right? <laughs> or a Reese's peanut butter cup, right? So sorry, not sorry, right? That sounds amazing. So, uh, you know, I, I understand that we can say, I love you to, you know, I love you to the Dallas Cowboys. I love you to my favorite snack. I love you. So... But I think the three most powerful words in the English language are, I am sorry. It's very powerful to say you're sorry to, to someone. And so guilt leads us to go to God or to others and say, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry, I really blew it. And so that's, that's a good thing. In fact, look what it says in 2 Corinthians 7 about, about being sorrowful. See what this sorrow, the sorrow God wanted you to have, has done to you. It has made you very serious. It has made you want to restore yourselves. It has made you angry and afraid. It made you want to see me. It made you care. It made you want to do the right thing. In every way, you have regained your innocence. So it's okay to, to, to have that guilt to, to drive you to what? To drive you to God. And so I heard about a, um, a soldier who had lived a really hard life, um, really partied a lot, really just kind of did whatever he wanted to, and he was dying. 
He was on his deathbed, and the priest went to him to talk to him. And, said, are you, and the priest said, are you sorry for your sins? And he said, no, I'm not. But then he began to weep, and he said, but I'm sorry I'm not sorry. And that, that's, that's, that's being sorrowful when you recognize, I shouldn't be this callous. I shouldn't be this calculator cold. And so guilt means that sin weighs you down with guilt, but then being sorry leads to change. This is the good side of guilt. It leads you to come to God and say, God, I'm sorry. It leads you to go to other people that you've offended and say, I'm really sorry. You deserve better than that. And so what does this lead us to? It leads us to do this. Confess your sins and you will receive God's forgiveness. So sin leads to guilt, which leads to forgiveness if you go to the Lord. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He will forgive our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. He will cleanse us from all the wrongs we have done. And so again, if you listen to the, if you, if you notice in, in the red light on your dashboard and you say, I need to fix this, that's good. In the same way, guilt can lead you to say, something inside me is not good with what I just did. I need to not do that again. Then it serves a good purpose to go to God and ask God for forgiveness. That's a good thing. You know, one thing I've, I've learned about sin um, when it comes to Christians is that the the older and the younger Christians deal with it differently. So, so a younger person in, in the Lord um, will take God really seriously, but then they don't take sin very seriously. So God's moving in the service, and they got their hands raised, and their tears, and they're, oh, I love you, Lord, I just want to follow you. And so they're taking God really seriously, but then they'll go home five minutes later and sin. So they don't take sin very seriously. Then older believers take sin really seriously, but they don't take God very seriously. So when God's moving in a powerful way, they're kind of like, eh. But then they're like, oh, we shouldn't do that. But if we could ever learn to take God seriously and take sin seriously, great things can happen. Make sense? So it's a big deal we take both seriously. Can I just talk to the teenagers in the room real quick? I want to just mention this to all the teenagers. There, this is common, and this didn't start with your generation. I'm not accusing you of anything. Uh, this didn't start with my generation. It started way before all of our generations. And that is it's very common for young people to have two lives. The lives your parents think you live and the lives you actually live. And that's, that didn't start with your generation. That started way before you. But I want to talk about this for a second because what you don't realize is you may think, oh, I'm getting away with stuff. My parents have no idea. They think I'm this good little girl, this good little boy. But really, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. Actually, so you've learned to live a double life. And the problem with that is that means you're learning at a young age how to set your life up for divorce. Because if you can live a double life with your parents, it's very easy then to continue living a double life with a spouse or with a boss, and this is how you end up getting fired suddenly out of nowhere. You're like, what happened? Well, it was because your boss had no idea the stuff you're up to, and when they find out, you're done. Or your, your spouse had no idea what you're up to, and they find out, and it's over. And so, believe it or not, at age 13, 14, 15, you may be learning habits that will cost you your adult happiness. So this is going to sound insanely crazy, but I actually think you should go to your parents and tell them exactly what you're up to. And you're like, I will be dead. I could never <laughs> tell my parents what I do. Well, first of all, they're not going to be shocked because they, this may surprise you, you probably did half the things you've done, they've actually done, which I, I, it's so funny. Young people are like, you don't know the pressure I'm under. Oh, yeah, I don't know how y'all think you got here. I mean, I don't know how you think you got here. <laughs> like, we had kids, okay? We understand how this works, right? So the thing is, is that it's not a it won't shock us. And so, I mean, you know, my, my parents too, I mean, they lived in the 60s. I didn't, but... My parents said I lived in the 80s, but I mean, you know, there's, this, is, this has been going on for years. And so sin is not new. So young people, I know you think you'll like have a corner in the market and man, you know, I'm the only one doing this. And I promise you, you're, 
<laughs> it's not new. And so it's been around a very long time. Okay? The devil's good at what he's doing, and he's been doing it for a very long time. So he's not new at this. The person who's new at it is, is you, but, but sin is not new. So actually, believe it or not, I, I want to give you the answer to the long-term sin problem, and that is that what happens, we get into what I call the guilt-shame cycle, which is where we, we sin, we're tempted, we sin, then we feel guilty for it, so we go, through, oh, God, please forgive me. And God does forgive you immediately, but it doesn't change the sin problem yet. You're forgiven, but then you feel so much shame for what you did, and you think, oh, I'm such a bad person. I can't believe I did that. Or how about this one? I can't believe I did that again. And then you feel so guilty, then what does guilt and shame lead you to do? Lead you to do it again. You think, oh, might as well. I mean, I'm a bad person. I might as well just do it again. So then you feel guilty again, and now you're in this cycle. So, Pastor, how do you break the cycle? Actually, the Bible tells us how to break the cycle. We don't like it, but it is the way to break the cycle. Look at the Scripture. It says this. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. So we know he forgives our sins. That doesn't change our, our habit, though. But because we can trust God to do what is right, right, he will forgive our sins. But let me show you another scripture, James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. So confessing your sins to God brings you forgiveness from God. Confessing your sins to someone else helps you actually be healed from repeating that sin. And again, some of you are like, there is no way I could tell someone what I'm up to. Well, first of all, they're not going to be shocked because they're going to find out, oh, believe it or not, you're a human. Right, we're all human. So you may be surprised to find that they're not shocked, first of all. Especially if they live with you, they're like, yeah, I knew you were up to something because I live with you. Okay, so it's not going to shock them. If you go to your kids and go, I have a temper problem, they'll be like, yeah, we're aware. Like, that's not new to them, okay? So I just need to tell you, whatever your struggle is, they probably are already on to you anyways. So I encourage you to go to them. And some of you, and I've even had men especially tell me, I could never tell my wife what, what I've done, what I've been up to. But I always tell them. I know they're going to hit the fan if you tell them. But if you don't tell them, whatever you're up to will be way worse in six months. So in other words, like, it may be a really bad day today, but a bad day is better than you destroying everything. So believe it or not, I think you should go to your spouse and tell them. Uh, I think you should go to your parents and tell them. I think you should go to your best friend and tell them. I think you should go to your pastor and share. Why? Because that's when the healing begins, when you say, I have a problem, I don't know how to stop this, and I need to share it with someone who can help me. And let me tell you, too, the thing that you think you can never stop, that you think, oh, I could just, I could never end this, there's just no way I could ever get help. There are people that are so good at you ending it, that know exactly what to do, that it's just a normal day for them. For example, um, if you need heart surgery, like if you full-blown need like your heart replaced, or you need a, a valve like taken out, cleaned out, and put back in, like that is a massively complicated surgery. That is life-altering. They're going to crack you open. You're going to be super sore. They, get, they literally break your rib cage open to get to the heart, do all this stuff, and then put it all back. And you're like, that. if you had a day like that, that would change your life, would it not? I mean, that would be a life-changing moment. But what's a life-changing moment to you is just a Tuesday to somebody. There are doctors that do that. They do three or four a day. They're like, yeah, next. It's normal. It's routine for them to change lives. In the same way, there's counselors that whatever you're dealing with, you think, oh, I can never tell anyone. There's just no, my whole life would end if I actually share with them. That's just their Tuesday morning schedule. They do it every day. So what I'm trying to tell you is that someone knows exactly what you need to do to change already. So you're not stuck. The only thing that keeps you stuck is the only thing that keeps sin alive, deceit. In other words, sin lives in lies. 
But when we confess to someone else, it actually sets you free because you're like, finally someone else knows. I don't feel like I'm carrying around this big secret anymore. Now, I'm not suggesting you go home and just open it up on Facebook. Dear everyone. No, 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 I'm not. No, please don't do that. What I'm saying is go to someone you trust that's mature and you can get some help. I highly recommend that you do this. So believe it or not, the way to really be set free, God forgives you, but the way that you can break the sin cycle is by confessing it to someone else and getting some help. You see, sunlight really is the best disinfectant. So you got to expose that, whatever it is, and say, here it is. And once you do that, that's when the healing process really does begin for you. And so, and I've got great news for you. The harder you fall, the, more, the, the higher you bounce. And so I know you think, oh, that you're, what you're describing, Pastor, would just end my life. I would actually argue if you're living a double life, your life has already ended. That's a miserable way to live. I've repeatedly talked to people who got caught in their sin, and you know what they always tell me? They say, it's the best day of my life. I'm finally free of the, of the lie I was living. Like, yeah, it frees you. I know that sounds so opposite, would you think? But it's freeing to live in truth. The truth sets us, what? Free. It really does. And so it's okay to confess to God and then to someone else to get some help. 1 John 3.20 says, Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything already. <laughs> he already knows. And so when you confess it, God forgives you. And then also, when you confess it to someone else, uh, it helps you process it and, and, and get that fixed. It, the, the, your marriage doesn't turn around until you confess. Your friendship doesn't turn around until you confess. You know, just, just, just be open. Just be honest about it. It really does change everything. I, I've had employees do this with me. I've had employees sit down with me and say, literally, I don't know what I'm doing. I just need to come to you and tell you I'm, I'm wasting time because I'm trying to look busy because I don't know what to do. And I always smile. I've only had two or three times in 20 years of, of being not only a pastor but also an employer where I've, I've had the privilege of looking at them and saying, congratulations. They're like, what? I'm like, you have no idea how you just massively improved your ministry. They're like, what do you mean? I said, because you admitted that you don't know what to do next, we can teach you what to do next. And now you're going to be on the right path. I had a guy years ago come to me and say, I don't know how to grow my ministry. I've tried and tried. I don't know what else to do. I'm just confessing it before you. I said, thank you. Now we can really grow your ministry. And so two or three weeks later, he doubled his ministry. You know why? Because you can't change what you won't acknowledge. But once you acknowledge it, you can change it. It's powerful. Confession is a very powerful thing. Now, so we go from sin to guilt to, to I'm sorry to confession to forgiveness, and we are set free from it. And we are healed when we confess to, to one another, as the Bible says to do. But I want to shift now out of this whole guilt thing into shame, because this is where a lot of us are really stuck, because we feel that, like we're stuck in the shame game, which means we're carrying around stuff that we did years ago that we feel so bad about to this day. It's very common for people to feel a lot of shame. And so I want to define the difference between guilt and shame if I can real quick, okay? Is this helping anybody today, by the way? I hope this is. I know it's a raw subject, but so let's talk about guilt versus shame. Guilt opens us up. Shame shuts us down, okay? Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is a focus on self. It really is. Guilt leads to confession. Shame leads to blame. We begin to blame one another. Guilt is conviction. Shame is condemnation. Guilt is recognizing in truth we have done something wrong. Shame is a lie that says we are wrong. So guilt says, I, I blew it. I, I've done something wrong. Shame says, I am a wrong person. And that's just not true. That's a lie. And so I just want to encourage you to shift uh, out of shame. God, God uses guilt to, to draw us back to him to, to get things right. 
But this whole shame thing, that's a lie the devil wants to tell you that you're bad, you're, you can never do anything good, look at what you've done, look who you are now. That's just, none of that is true. I want to I share a story. I've shared this story before, so maybe you've heard it before, but I just really feel led to tell the story because I think it really uh, draws a, a beautiful picture of what shame looks like and how we can be free from it. There's a little boy named Johnny and his sister Sally, and they would always go to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and Grandma and Grandpa lived on, a, on a, some land and you know, had a barn out back, and Grandpa farmed the land, and, and Grandma, and, and, and so that, that, they went to visit him. And so they're there, and uh, Johnny's a little kid. He's playing around, and he, he brought a slingshot with him that he bought at the store, and he was shooting you know, rocks at anything he could find. He shot rocks at the fence. He shot rocks at the barn. He shot rocks you know, at, mommy's, you know, at, at uh, Grandma's cow. I mean, he just shot at everything he could. I and mean, he'd missed everything all day long. I and mean, he has a horrible shot. I mean, he's just you know, firing away, just having fun like little boys do. And, and as, as uh, Grandma was in making dinner, and Grandpa was out back working. He grabbed one more rock, and just for fun, he pointed it right at Grandma's favorite duck. And he let it fly, and for the first time all day long, he hit exactly what he was pointing at and accidentally killed Grandma's favorite duck. He felt so bad. He's like, <gasps> he looked around like, see who, who saw him? He ran over and grabbed the, duck, the dead duck by the neck and drug it over. He ran into the barn, found a shovel, and as fast as he could, he dug a hole. And he threw the duck into the hole, and he began to put the dirt back over it, thinking, okay, maybe no one saw me. I'm okay, right? So he covered it up, and about the time he covered it up, he looked over, and there is his sister Sally looking at him. He was like, ugh. So about that time, Grandma comes to the, the back door of the house and says, kids, come in, dinner time. Y'all come in. So he puts up the shovel, and he runs in. Grandpa comes in, sits down, says, y'all wash your hands and clean up, you know, to eat. They sit down and eat. And at the end of the meal, Grandma says, okay, now y'all need to do the dishes. Sally looks at Grandma and says, Johnny told me he wants to do my dishes tonight. <laughs> Isn't that right, Johnny? And she says to him, she whispers to him, remember the duck. <laughs> He's like, oh. He's like, yeah, Grandma, I want to do the dishes tonight for Sally. So he does all the dishes at night. Then later on, they're playing with their toys in the living room. And Grandpa says, time to go to bed. You guys make sure you pick up the living room first. So they're starting to pick up. And then Sally yells out from the living room, uh, Grandpa, Johnny told me he wants to pick up my toys tonight. Remember the duck. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'll pick up all the toys tonight. So now he's running around doing everything Sally wants him to do. This is like goes on for several days. Finally, he feels so guilty. He goes to Grandma. He's so, he just ridden with guilt. He goes, he says, Grandma, I need to talk with you. And she says, oh, Johnny, what's wrong? <laughs> well, you know, the other day, I had my slingshot in it. I fired the slingshot, and I shot your duck. She says, I know. What? She says, I know. I, I was at the window. I saw you do it. <laughs> well, why are you saying things? Well, I mean, you know, she, he said, yeah, I'm so sorry. She says, I know, John, Johnny, when you did it, I forgave you the moment you did it. <laughs> why didn't you say anything? She said, because I just wanted to see how long you'd let your sister make a slave of you. <laughs> Guys, the moment that we sin, God saw it. And he's already forgiven you. The question is, how long are you going to let the devil make a slave of you? You see, God forgives us. It's the devil who's trying to accuse us. And some of us not only have the devil trying to make a slave of us, maybe you have someone that's supposedly a friend making a slave of you. I actually have talked to men and women that are in relationships that have done things with people that they feel so guilty about that they don't, that they feel stuck in the relationship that they don't want to be in. 
I mean, that's not really a relationship. So someone's guilting you into being with them. That's, that's not really a relationship at that point. Or maybe you have a friendship like that. I know people that, that, you know, they get called up from their friends from high school or college or whatever. And like, hey, man, we're going to go out. And, 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 and what do you say? You say, oh, no, I, I don't do that anymore. Oh, no, no, I know you. No, I know you. Come on, man. You're coming with. No, no, I, I'm trying not. No, 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 I know you. And it's like, well, you know who I was. But I'm trying not to be that person anymore. And so you feel trapped. So I want to encourage you that you don't need to be trapped by that. That's the devil trying to continue to accuse you. And here's the good news. I want to just say this. I want, maybe, maybe God brought you here just to hear this. Whatever church you're at right now, just listening. If you're online, I want you to hear loud and clear. Maybe God brought you to hear one statement. Here's the one statement. You ready for this? Here it is. I believe this can set you free. Listen, listen, listen. Ready? You are not what you did. You are not what you did. Let that soak in for a second. Yeah, you may have done something. It doesn't mean that's who you are as a person. Someone needs to give God a praise that you can be set free because that's not who you are. So let's talk about shame. What does Jesus have to say about this? This is what he has to say. John 19, 30, he said this hanging on the cross. He said this, it's done, complete. Bowing his head, he offered up his spirit. The word done or complete or finished in the original Greek language is the word tetelestai. Say that with me, tetelestai. Tetelestai means paid in full. They would stamp it on tax documents once you paid your taxes fully. They would say, tetelestai, it's done, it's finished, paid in full. This is also a term that the Greeks used that when someone had to go to prison for a crime they committed, they would write out on a sheet of paper, a penalty paper, how much time you had to pay in jail for your sins, for your crimes. Then they would nail that to the outer door of the jail cell you were in, and that way they knew exactly how much time you had left to pay out for your crimes. I've got some great news for you, because what Jesus said on the cross, whatever prison you think you're in right now for the sins you've done in the past... The door is not locked. You can swing it open anytime you want and just step outside and look at the piece of paper that you see your sins listed on. It says paid in full. Jesus already paid for your sins. You are completely forgiven. Completely. Paid in full. Look at what the scripture says. This is what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery. Then you say, yeah, but I didn't confess my sin and I got caught. Just like the woman with adultery. She was caught. She didn't confess it. She, she was pulled in the middle of the act. And she probably had to quickly throw her clothes on as they were yanking her out of wherever she was, doing whatever she was doing. And, and, at that moment, they pulled her out. And the, and the religious people grabbed a bunch of rocks because the, the, the law says that you die for this. Like, we're going to take your life. That's what the law says. And so, I mean, sin leads to, to death. Some of you have been so caught up in a sin a besetting sin, which means it's an ongoing thing that you have literally thought, maybe I should just end my life. I'm not surprised by that thought at all. Why? Because sin ultimately leads you to lowering your value of yourself so much that you think, why am I alive? That's not uncommon for people to be so trapped in a sin they think, I don't even want to live. But that's the devil. So Jesus comes along and all these guys got rocks in their hands. They're like, let's do this, man. Let's take her out right now. And Jesus says, hey, before you guys do that, and he reaches down, and he just starts to write stuff in the sand. In fact, the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. And I think that's significant because Jesus is so 
amazingly grace-filled that even the guys who were wrong, I wonder what he was writing. I wonder if he was writing their sins out. I remember he looked at, you know, Bobby, who had the rock in his hand. And he says, you're Bobby, right? Yeah. From Jerusalem, right? Uh-huh. South side. I know where you live. Yeah. Hey, Bobby. Do you remember this date? Remember this location? Remember Bobby's like, uh, you, yeah, were you there? Uh-huh, because I'm everywhere. So let me just write this out real quick. Okay, Jesus, we're good. We're cool. Here's a rock. I'm, I'm out. Okay, thanks, Bobby. Hey, what's up, Jason? Yeah, I remember you. Um, let me write a couple things down. Do you remember this? Okay, Jesus, okay, stop. Okay, just... See, he could have listed off everyone's sin. Now, that's just my guess. I don't know what he wrote, but I think by God's grace we don't know what he wrote because... Jesus was never trying to expose our sin. He came to die for our sin. So they all dropped their rocks. And the woman who thought she was about to die from her sin, Jesus stood up and this is what he said to her. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Isn't that beautiful? He's like, it, It's simple. Okay, you got caught in your sin. I forgive you. Don't do it again. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's it? Like, that's, that, that's it? Yeah, that's it. But you say that's too easy. Whoa, whoa, easy. You know Jesus died on the cross. That wasn't easy. So just because it's easy for you and I doesn't mean it was easy. I mean, he paid a massive price for our sin. But because he paid that price, we don't have to. So you're saying, are you saying it's okay to get off easy? Yes, that's the whole gospel, is we all get off easy. Jesus paid the price for us so that we don't have to pay that price. That is what we do, is we share the grace we've been given. And so what does this mean? Go and sin no more. Now I just want to, just want to get real practical. I've had a lot of people say, okay, that sounds great. That sounds amazing. I, I can't get out of my head. Pastor, I can't, I can't, I, like, I know what I've done. I had a guy come to me one time and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm really struggling, man, because, like, I'm just going to be honest with you. And he said, I've been with, a, like, a lot of women, is what he told me. Like, a lot. And I was like, okay. And he's like, no, like, other, I get you what you're saying. I hear you loud and clear. He's like, I mean, in high school, I was kind of the man, Mr. Athlete, could kind of have my way, went to college, kind of the same thing. So I was like, okay, I get it. I, I know, I get where you come from. He says, I was, you know, and I was like, and he said, now I'm married. I'm trying to be faithful. I just know how to go down that road really easy because I've done that a lot. I know how that works. I said, yep. And he said, so I don't know how to escape this. I told him, I said, I got some great news for you. The Bible says go and sin no more. He goes, yeah, that's just too simple. I said, no, it's actually not. <laughs> the word go in the original Greek language actually is the word as you go. Greek is so specific that it takes three or four English words to get one Greek word's meaning. So go actually means as you go, as you go about your business, as you go for your goals, as you go about your career, as you go about raising a family, as you go, whatever you go do. As you go, don't, don't sin anymore. So what does it mean? It means that when you start to cut a new trail, the old trail, if you leave it alone long enough, has weeds grow over it. There are highways in our country that you can't even see anymore because the town shut down or that highway led to a business that no longer is there, like an old factory, that kind of thing. And so, and since people no longer drive the highway, they, they put a big block on. And highways are built, the reason it's called the highways because it's higher than the rest of the dirt around it. And so you think, oh, you'll always be able to see the highway. But actually, there are highways you can't even see anymore. 
that the weeds have literally grown up and over the highway. It's not even there anymore. In the same way, in your mind, the neuropathways in our mind, that's what a habit is. It's a neuropathway. Okay? And so you've, you're just used to going in a certain direction so much, you think, how can I possibly stop from going in, in that direction? It's real simple. Once you begin to go in God's direction, eventually, the longer you do that, eventually you turn around and you look at the old pathway you used to go down, and you can hardly even see it anymore. Like, man, I know it used to be there somewhere. I just don't know where it is. It's been so long. Isn't that great? And so the Bible says that we need to renew our minds. And so scientists used to believe that the neurological side of our brains didn't change, that it was a steady state. It just didn't change. But we've now learned that the brain is, has what's called neuroplasticity, that the way you've always thought doesn't have to always be the way you think in the future. You can change your mind literally. And if you begin to think new thoughts, eventually your old thoughts, you forget how you even had those old thoughts. Does that make sense? Eventually you just forget. You know, guys, you forget, you even forget the names of those old girlfriends. You don't know who they are anymore. You know, like the places you used to go, you're like, what's that bar I used to go? I can't remember. That's the thing. You can't, you spent so long, I don't even know the name. I can't remember what street it's on. It's been so long, I don't even know. It's been so long since I've called my dealer, I don't even remember the number. I deleted it from my phone. I, I can't recall. That's the way God is. You can't even remember who you did what with and where you did it. It's like, I mean, I vaguely remember that I was not a good person then, but I don't really remember all the details. It's called grace, guys. It's called grace. God has enough grace to forgive you, and God has enough grace to renew you. It's not just grace to forgive you. He'll renew you to where those old pathways, it's not even who you are anymore. Guys, you can really be set free. When you are set free, you are free indeed, is what the Bible says. God wants to truly and completely set you free. Now you say, Pastor, that sounds amazing. I haven't done those things in so long, but I still have these memories. Well, I didn't show you all of Revelation 12, 10, so I now want to show you the whole verse because the devil wants to still remind you what you did 10 years ago, what you did two months ago, what you did two weeks ago. However long, whether it's long time or short time, he's going to still try. So, oh, but, but remember you did this? And remember, he's going to keep throwing it in your face. And so when the devil does that, let me show you verse. Let me show you his future. Revelation chapter 12 says this. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, that's the devil, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And so this is really important. The next time the devil wants to remind you of your past, you remind him of his future. He is going to hell and you're not. That's the truth. And so I just want to encourage you, you can be set free right now. Would you stand with me right now with all of our churches right now? Just stand to your feet. Would you do that? I believe this is a holy moment for you. Some of you have been carrying around something for too long. God wants you to be set free of that guilt. Or maybe you've already asked God to forgive you, but you still carry the shame. So what we're going to do right now is at all of our churches, we're going to open up the, the uh, front stage as an altar. And maybe today you need to come forward and say, God, I'm tired of carrying this around. Then come to the altar and let God forgive you of that sin. Let God remove the stain of that shame. And so you come right now to the altar, young and old, come. Couples, individuals, families, come before the Lord. 
God, I want to start new. I'm tired of carrying this around. And so, Lord, I just surrender this to you. Would you come right now at all of our churches around now? You just come forward. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed because just, this just means you're human. You know what? This is what real discipleship looks like is you say, God, I, I blew it. I, I'm sorry, God. I just want to confess this. I don't want to live with this any longer. You don't have to. You, can come, you came in heaven. You leave light. And so you know what God's house is? God's house is a forgiveness factory. That's what we do. God forgives us and renews us and sets us free. That's the power of the cross. It is that good. You are set free and you are free indeed. So surrender it to God. That's not who you are. That's who you were. Who you are is who you are in Christ. And he says, you're innocent. For the things I've done. No, 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 no. The blood covers all that. You're innocent now. You are forgiven. You're being made new. And I believe right now that some of you need to get a Bible and write the date in it. This is the day I gave all that to God. I'm done with this. I'm done caring. I'm done with this mental gymnastics of always having this guilt fill my mind to where I think I'm such a bad person. You are not. You are a child of the living God and he sets you free. In Jesus' name, he sets you free. So right now, you come forward and you are set free. Maybe some of you are like, I can't even, I can't even move forward. You don't have to because Jesus runs to you. Either way. He is here right now. We're all at the foot of the cross together. If you've never given your life to Jesus, he wants to forgive you your sins and renew you right now. You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. We're going to pray this prayer across all of our churches right now. Those who are watching online, you can pray this prayer with us too. And you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. He completely forgives you. He renews you, gives you a fresh start. And even if you blow it two hours from now, he says, my forgiveness will cover that too. He's that good. And so right now, would you pray this prayer with me? Just say this out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. Thank you that you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. I will go and sin no more. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand high? You're not alone. If you just gave your life to Christ, just lift your hand high. You're not alone. God is moving powerfully across all of our churches right now. Their hands going up everywhere. Praise God. Thank you for the decision you've made to give your life to Jesus Christ. You're not alone. Praise God. Their hands going up all across our different churches right now. We see those hands in Rodfield. We see those hands in Stone Note. Come on, Padre. We see those hands in Rockport, Fulton. Those of you watching online, thank you. Thank you for giving your life to Christ. If you're watching online, you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, please put it in the text chat right now. Just say, I just prayed to receive Christ. I, my hand's raised. You can type something like that. We'll know. We'll know what you mean. You can click on my hand's raised if you're at churchunlimited.com watching the stream right now. Thank you for giving your life to Christ. You're not alone. Thank you. We see those hands. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down with every head bowed, your eye closed right now. Maybe today you say, Pastor, I'm already a Christ follower, but I just keep repeating the same folly as the Bible says. I keep going back to something stupid. I want to encourage you today, before this day is over, I want to challenge you to do something you've never probably done before. I want you to tell one person, just someone you trust, just tell one person. If it's the person you offended, you need to go to them anyways. Maybe your spouse, maybe a best friend, maybe a parent, maybe a pastor. Just go to them. Say, I just, I, I need to tell you something. I can't carry this any longer. I know you think, no, the, the, my, my life will end if I do that. No, 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 your life will begin if you'll do that. Your life will begin if you'll do that. It'll set you free when you do that. 
I know you think, no, but you don't understand. No, no, I do understand. I've been pastoring for multiple decades, guys. I've seen this hundreds of times, and I'm telling you, this will set you free. Get honest. Confession is not meant to make you feel guilty. You already have guilt. It will set you free. And then the Bible says you'll have what's called a testimony. We all have a testimony. But I want to tell you, if you can't think of a past in your life, that means you're still in it. If you can't think of a past, you're still in it. Just giving your life to Jesus helps you go from an old you to new you. That's what we do here. That's what we do. When you pray that prayer to receive Christ, you went from your old life to your new life. And even today, if you say, ha, I'm already a Christ follower, I'm still messing up. Congratulations, welcome to the human spirit. We all still do. That's why we still need grace. His grace never stops. He'll give you a fresh start right now. But do yourself a favor. Quit carrying around shame for something God already forgave you for. And if you need to change, tell someone. That's the beginning of your healing. Healing begins today. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak forgiveness and grace over you. I speak newness. I speak a new innocence over you in the name of Jesus Christ. God is pouring his healing down upon his children right now. Let's give him some praise for the hope he has filled us with today. Praise God. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you're bringing healing and hope to us. And we thank you, God, that we are truly forgiven in Christ. The cross was enough to pay the price for our sins. It is finished. It is complete. And we can leave lighter than when we came because we no longer have shame on us. We put the shame on you on the cross, and you already paid the price and rose again. So that has been removed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. When you, when you pray this week or next week or next month, and you say, God, remember that thing I did? God's going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Whoa, whoa, God, you don't remember? I mean, God says, not that he doesn't remember. He chooses to take your sin and throw it from the east to the west. I don't even know how to measure that. So when you keep going then with something you did, he says, I, I've already covered it. Why are we bringing up something? I've already covered that. Why, what are you talking about? It's gone. Let it go. Listen to me one more time. Let it go. Jesus did. You can too. Lord, thank you, God, for renewing us, remaking us, forgiving us. Thank you, God, that today is a new day in our lives. Thank you, God, for your freedom that we can only find in Jesus. And we thank you for it. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.